0: Welcome back to the Healing Circle. I'm Kobe. I'm
1: Kyle. See, you thought I was going to do something weird, huh? I was
0: waiting for it. I I was was going to hit hit him with like a blah,
1: blah, blah, gang, gang. But I was like, you know what? (laughs) Keep it up. I'm
0: not affiliated with any gangs. Please. (laughs) Yes, we are.
1: uh, We're affiliated with the army of the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah.
0: (laughs) A general.
1: Yes. Really?
0: Listen, I'd be loving Jesus. Um, So today... We are going to be talking about trauma. So um I specialize in trauma. Specifically, I specialize in EMDR, which is eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Long story. We'll talk about it another day. But I specialize I
1: wanted, in being traumatized.
0: We all kind of all of us do, <laughs> to be well, honest. I got a
1: PhD dissertation all Mo- Most of it. us
0: do. Most of us do. Um, but we wanted to talk about it because honestly, we're all experiencing trauma right now and there's no better time when you guys are cooped up in your house and taking time to listen to podcasts while you're, you know, scrubbing your toilets and folding your clothes and scrolling through Pinterest. There's no better time to learn, you know, about what trauma is, especially as you're experiencing it. So I'm going to start out this episode with defining trauma and what it is. So trauma is defined as an incident or series of incidents that have lasting negative effects on our physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, relational, financial, or social well-being. And I would add an and or in there, honestly, just because I think that it can touch more than one of those things. Yeah. Um again, I'll read it one more time. So trauma is an incident or series of incidents that have lasting negative effects on our physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, financial, relational, or social well-being. And for me, it was really important and is really important to define trauma because no one can define what trauma is for a specific person. Yeah. You know, like, I think that many people do the thing where it's like, oh, like, you're mad they talked about you? (laughs) Like, you're mad they didn't invite you on the trip? Like, girl, you need to get over that. You need to grow up. And it's like, no, well... All trauma is personal.
1: Yeah.
0: All trauma is personal. And so what's traumatizing to me, you probably wouldn't even remember.
1: What's traumatizing
0: to you, I probably couldn't even pinpoint when it happened. Yeah. Right? And the reality is trauma is personal. And my goal for this episode, one, to help people understand what trauma is. Two, to help people understand you cannot define trauma for other people. Yeah. You cannot... Decide that something is too insignificant to hurt somebody, Yep. right? Too insignificant to affect them biologically, too insignificant to affect them relationally, socially, financially, right? Um, we can't do that. Yeah. And oftentimes we hinder people's healing experiences, especially the church.
1: Bro. Jesus was talked
0: about. Know. You know, he was talked about He was with, <laughs> when he was in his worst moment.
1: <laughs> Your old black woman voice is spot on.
0: When he is was in his worst <laughs> moment, he was sweating blood and they would sleep. You know,
1: and you mad people talking about you. And you can't you.
0: get over. Come on, woman of God. We are not. Oh my gosh, this is. I promise you, one day I'm going to write a book. We are not victims. We are victors. First of all, oh, don't. No. First of all, ma'am, mother, <sighs> deaconess, prophetess, prophet. Okay. Wow. What else? superintendent (laughs) apostle (laughs) overseer let me define something for you the point of us needing a savior is because we were victims if we were not victims we would not need to be saved yes through christ jesus we have victory but first we are victors then victims then victors right yeah first a victim then a victor Right. And you don't get to define when the process starts and ends for somebody because yep. some people are still a victim to sexual assault, still a victim. Yep. and that, That's what pisses me off, too, is what at church people are like, uh, you better praise him because you're up this morning. Yes, that's right. You better bless him because you're in your right mind. You don't know that. Yeah. Like, there's an insensitivity. And I know no one's thinking about that, but, like, the therapist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, no, actually, there's probably someone here who might have just had a psychotic episode or may have just had a manic episode because they're struggling with bipolar disorder. Yeah. And here you are assuming that because they're present and lucid in this moment, that they're not battling with not being in their right mind. Yeah. Right? Finger Huge finger quotations with right mind. Right? And so... um, I mean, Anyways,
1: The church runs into issues when we try to treat personal issues with a corporate God. Zoop you'll you'll note in scripture, the, the thing that is most different about the Christian faith than any other, even, even in, in many ways um, different from Judaism, um, is that we do not serve a corporate God. We yeah. serve a personal Savior. And why do we serve a personal Savior? Because personal suffering deserves a personal Response. Yeah. So when you try to treat um, personal sufferings with a corporate God, you get people who feel left out, who feel abandoned, yeah. who feel like their needs are not met by the church. Yeah. And so we keep trying to to kind of fit a square peg in a round hole, telling yeah. people, "Hey, this is the God that saved me. He can save you too." Yeah. Except many people don't need to be saved the way, the way you were that you were. Saved. Yep. Right. Yep. And yep. Um, the reason you were able to be saved was because God met you personally. You yeah. had a personal experience. Yeah. And now, it. so many of us, now that we've had our personal experience with God, we try to treat other people like our personal experience should be their personal experience, yeah. which is obviously not the way it works. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it filters through the whole thing. It's, yeah. a, it's a broken way of thinking about our faith.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think that it's a way of conceptualizing the gospel that marginalizes people who dare to be emotionally honest.
1: Yeah to boast in their weaknesses yes yeah
0: yep yep so like if someone says that hurt my feelings as as a confession of truth as Mm -hmm. a confession of vulnerability before the lord and community they're often mocked yep, laughed at you know ridiculed called immature right and yet we're called to worship in spirit and in truth right yet you know james i think it's uh 516 i think don't quote me says you know (laughs) confess your sins to one another that you may be healed but the reason why people don't come to church and they do go to therapy is because when they confess their sins at church they get laughed at and when they confess their sins in therapy they get healed yeah you know and like and this is not us you know going on actually it was us going on a little rant but the point i'm trying to make is whoever is listening There is nothing too insignificant to traumatize you. If it has a lasting effect on your physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, financial, relational, or social well-being, it is trauma. It does not matter if it was someone laughing at your hairdo when you were four. It does not matter if it was your mom not appreciating the macaroni crap that you made in third grade. It is trauma. And until you realize it, we cannot heal anything we don't look at. Yeah. Right.
1: Many of us like so. If you're like me, I'm I'm new to the conversation <laughs> of emotional vulnerability and really, you know, having feelings at all. Uh,
0: <laughs> He's had him being aware of his feelings. Also. Yeah,
1: not not shutting them away. Um, and when Kobe started to to teach me painstakingly about this definition and how how many different things trauma can be. It was frustrating for me because the first thing I thought was, well, dang, like, you just listed 57 things that trauma is. Basically, trauma is everything. Mm -hmm. By that standard, like, everything in the world has traumatized me. Yeah. And the truth is, like, that's the point. Yeah. Right? Like, rather than say, oh, well, I don't like the idea that I am as hurt, that I am as traumatized as I actually am. I would rather say... You know what? Trauma only looks like a gunshot wound. Yeah. Because if I have to acknowledge that it can be, uh, you know, the the person that spoke about me poorly in sixth grade, or that it could be feeling some sort of way. Yeah. Um. Even if no one said anything. Yeah. Then it makes me feel weak. Yeah. Um. And if I'm, especially if I'm the only one acknowledging that I have these feelings, then I'm like the only weak one in the room. I'm not mm. about that life.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's real. Like I think that many people. I've just I. I have, and I think many therapists have um, in their personal lives, realized that like we've we've been called to the Ministry of Vulnerability. And it really is a ministry because most people don't do it, right? Like when you get on a prayer line or a prayer call, the last people to share anything, if they do share, is leadership, right? No one's leading in vulnerability. No one's, you know. um, And so I think that that makes it hard for people to feel safe in opening up and confessing that stuff but you know going back to the bigger definition of trauma so when I talk to my clients and I say part of my diagnostic intake is like have you experienced any trauma anything you would identify as trauma in your life they usually look very confused (laughs) and they're like (laughs) uh I got in a car crash one time, but it was like a fender bender and I was fine. And I'm like, okay, so let me define to you what trauma is. I usually share this definition. And then I give this example to them. I say, so trauma can be, um, two things. It can be a boulder or it can be a pebble, right? It can be this really big incident that happened once. Oftentimes that sexual assault, right? That's some type of battery. Um, it can be emotional, um, betrayal right being cheated on by a spouse or you know in a long-standing relationship something like that it's yeah. this big boulder um and then it could be a pebble right so trauma can be a pebble which is a bunch of small moments that accumulate to the mass mm-hmm. of a boulder right so it might yeah. be your mom saying oh you're getting a little bit of weight but it might be that developing over 15 years it might be yeah. small slick implicit, you know, mm-hmm. comments. It can
1: be people consistently like misunderstanding your motives. Yes. Or yes. Just it... not understanding what you're trying to do. And yep. yeah. It can be anything.
0: Yep. 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 And so um what I see most and work with most is the pebbles. Right. And I this is my favorite part of therapy is helping people see like it's kind of like walking down a street and then being like, I don't see any pebbles and then me saying like, Oh, there's one right there. There's one right there and there's one right there and by the time we get to the end of the street we have a bucket full of pebbles. And because they weren't looking for them, yeah. Right, they didn't realize that there are all these pebbles that they're exact same type, the exact mm-hmm. same color, the exact same shape that were scattered all over, you know, the street of their heart, scattered all over this neurological pathway. And it helps them understand and conceptualize, like, you know, I I haven't been beaten before. I haven't been, yeah. you know, assaulted before. Why don't I like myself? Right. Yeah. And, you I know. I had great parents. I guess. I had a great upbringing. yeah. No one.
1: No one hurt me. No one touched me. I felt so loved. Me, you know? I never yeah. wanted
0: for anything. Yeah. And then helping them say, well, you know, you mentioned that, you know, after your mom lost her job that she began to drink a lot. And when she drank a lot, she would make comments about your body. And then you, you know, talked about how you ended up dating a guy who, you know, told you you were fat. And then, you know, you mentioned a little bit later that, you know, you're in college and after throwing up at, at like a party out late at night, you decided that you were going to start throwing up more because you felt good and, and then you stopped, but then you started, you know, uh, working out incessantly and then you stopped doing that. But then you started taking like these dietary pills and helping them realize like these different things were happening, Yeah. but underlying was this making this up, um, rejection from your mother that made you question your, your worth based on your physical appearance. Yeah. Right. And that's something that many of us have experienced, not that exact example. But trauma itself, yes, it's terrible, bad, 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 bad. But what trauma produces is even worse. Yeah. And this is um, something I'm excited to share with you guys. So when we have a traumatic experience, every traumatic experience creates a negative core belief. Mm. So let me define to you what. A negative core belief is. A negative core belief is a foundational negative belief about one's identity or interactions with others which indirectly is communicated through destructive and dysfunctional patterns. One more time. A negative core belief is a foundational negative belief about one's identity or interactions with others which is indirectly communicated through destructive and dysfunctional patterns. Hmm. So, example, I may have a client similar. We find all these pebbles, and the pebbles are based on the client's physical appearance, rejection, or acceptance that they get based on their physical appearance. Okay. Right? Um, so what do you think the negative core belief for that client might be? I'm ugly. Okay, that, that might be it. So um, a tip, a negative core belief is usually an I am statement, um, and it's always usually worse than what you think. So my client might say, well, my negative core belief is that I really need to lose weight. <laughs> right? And I'll say, okay, well, let's turn that into an I am statement. And they'll say, I am overweight. And I'll say, okay, that, that speaks to your physical state, but it doesn't speak to your identity. What is the thought that you are perpetually overweight say about your identity? And then they'll think about it. And they usually say, oh, I don't want to say that out loud. That's terrible. And I'm like, yeah, but you should, because I think it's important that you acknowledge externally what you actually believe about yourself and what you've believed about yourself for a long time, right? And then they'll say something to the extent of, I'm not good enough as I am, or I'm only loved when I'm small or I am bad right Mm. because that's what this pattern is telling them who you are as you are is not good enough and you must alter yourself in certain ways consistently to be loved right which is emotionally exhausting for any person right and again this is all just uh analogy (laughs) not based on a real person but just you know giving an example um And the reality is most of us have a negative core belief that is that painful to say out loud. Yeah. You know, but we don't want to recognize it. Like to define and figure out what your negative core belief is takes so much um, courage to discover and then also to confess. You know, yeah. it's it's usually a tear shedder time. It's usually when, when a thug tear drops. <laughs> <laughs> thug tear. Yeah, it's, it's when the one thug tear falls and then they like, you know, suck it up real quick. Um, you know, and for many of us, we are trying to figure out how to live in this world um, with this negative core belief. And the reality is a negative core belief now becomes the lens through which you conceptualize the world. So let's say, um, and this is real for me because, you know, before I became a therapist, I was in therapy um, and still in therapy. um, My negative core belief is I am bad, right? So I'm a twin. Kyle and I talk about this in um, one of our Patreon episodes. Join our Patreon if um, you want to get more episodes. But um, I'm a twin, and being a twin is one of the most beautiful, rewarding experiences ever. But also, you are born within the context of comparison, period. Yeah. You are never not compared. Not in your family, not in the world, not in your friendships, not in school, nothing. It's never you did a good job or a bad job. You either did a better job or a worse job. Yeah. Right? Um, and Kyle knows that too, but if, if you guys don't know. Both of us are twins.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, for me, I was always the bad twin. Like, I remember trying so hard to fight out of the... You're the bad twin, like trope, and yeah. it just people would literally look at me and say, "I can tell you're the bad twin, bro," just by looking at me. I'm like, Isn't "You don't that crazy? know me." A little bit of that is colorism, but like people would literally they would see me and my sister together, and they would just look at me and be like, "I can just tell you're the bad twin, right?" And like what they didn't realize is they were speaking into childhood realities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, childhood traumas, right? They they were, they, they let's say childhood was a pebble. A large pebble. And throughout school, my teachers were throwing out more pebbles. My friends were throwing out more pebbles. Yeah. Right? The people I was dating were throwing out more pebbles. Right? Um, and so what happens is now when Kyle wants to go to sleep instead of watch a movie with me, right, what happens? Kyle's action is not just Kyle wants to go to sleep instead of watch a movie. It's Kyle's going to sleep is a form of rejection of me because I am bad, yeah. right? I am not good am in my am am pure, purest form of existence, right? Um, and I think that the same way that, you know, privilege can give people these rose-colored lenses, negative core beliefs born out of trauma give people, you know, I would say these blue-tinted lenses where yeah. everything, because, and it's it's hard because people who've been traumatized are some of the most selfish people you'll meet, right? And it's not because their selfishness is born out of narcissism or self-worship. It's born out of protection, Hmm. right? So if I have this negative core belief, nothing you do is just about you. It's always about me.
1: Yeah, Yeah. It's
0: always a response to who I am. It's always a response to my presence right
1: everyone else becomes a side character yes in, in the narrative about you the it whole makes you world, very
0: egocentric
1: yeah you become the center of the universe which in some ways is just a human experience you, you're only living this reality through one lens so in some way everyone else is just a side piece but you know as as a twin as someone with deep trauma as someone with <laughs> can you have more than one negative core belief you no. can yes. okay you can have i have more think i've got two or three but um um it wasn't until relationship with kobe which was a mess i mean it was just tough being being in relationship with someone as intelligent as she is and as insightful who sees as deeply as she does very annoying I'm sorry. i would i mean it's it's good. I know you
0: can't hide it all.
1: Ultimately it's a good thing. But <laughs> yeah. It's um we have fun. We do have fun. Yeah. And I'm healthier than I've ever been. Yeah. I like myself more than I've ever liked myself. Didn't think I could ever get to this place. But there is a reality that until I met her, there are ways of acting, being, thinking that I I genuinely thought were normal that are not. <laughs> Yeah. Simply because, like my my trauma was so ingrained, I could not see any way except through it. It's like, oh, that's yeah. clearly what that person is doing.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Everything becomes about you. And um, I wanted to give you guys, um, for those of you who are believers, I wanted to give you guys kind of my um my cornerstone explanation of trauma through a bi- biblical lens. I've preached on it a couple times at a couple churches. But I wanted to share it with you guys because it is very, very useful, um, and I think that it helps people conceptualize the intersection between mental health and faith.
1: Yeah, it's the first trauma. Yes, come
0: on. So um, we're gonna start in Genesis two. Grab your Bibles. Uh
1: (laughs) Say amen when you get there.
0: Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, what I want you guys to do is uh, we're gonna start Genesis two fifteen. And, um, I'm going to read that through and then we're going to, um, jump over to Genesis two and I'll explain as we're doing it. Right. So Genesis 2:15 says the Lord took Adam, the man, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord has formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took out one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of man and brought her to the man. He said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is untied to his, his unit, United, yeah. United, wow, I can't read. Untied to his wife, wow. <laughs> and is united um, to his wife, and they become one. Um, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt what? No shame. No so shame. This could be a whole Bible study, and I actually want to do a, like, a community Bible study over it, but I'm going to go as fast as I can because I don't want to take up all your time. So when you read this, it's easy to just read it and think of what we thought of growing up, you know? This is how man and woman came (laughs) to the earth. And this is how Eve was born, and then then Adam wasn't alone. And, like, you know? Yeah. It's easy to look at that. Sunday
1: school kind of just fairy tale.
0: Hmm, And, you know, in our last episode, we talked about what, like, who were you before trauma? Yeah. Like... Who? What existed before this trauma came and ravished everything that you knew in your life? What came? What was there? What existed before everything you you feel like you only know now? Right? Um,
1: yeah, you better slow down. You gonna you gonna slip into a preach.
0: I will slow down. Better so calm down. <laughs> and. This is this is it, right? Like you look, um, Genesis 15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. What does that imply? That God trusted Adam, right? Yep. He trusted Adam's ability, right? And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die, right? One thing the Lord is freeing him to do, Right? Not limiting him. Yeah, he Yeah, not free. restricting you to everything
1: but that. Come You're on. You're free to eat He's, all of this.
0: Yes, yeah. and he sets a boundary out of the love for Adam. He says, I don't want you to eat from this because when you do, you will what? Certainly die. Right? God is saying, I value your life so much. I value your existence just as you are so deeply that I don't want you to die. And because I don't want you to die, there's this thing you have to stay away from. But apart from that, you are free, right? It's not stare at this thing and eat everything else. (laughs) You know, here's this perfect shiny thing and you just can't have it. It's be free. Go eat, right? Um, And then it says, um, the Lord said it is not good for man to be alone. God cares about us being lonely. God cares about our emotional state. So many of us have been fooled and tricked by like Christian platitudes that God Mm. doesn't care about the small things. He only cares about the big things like his glory coming to earth and and thousands of people being saved at once. But we are seeing God's heart right here for man and he cares about him being lonely. And what's crazy is he's not alone.
1: Yeah, he's got God.
0: He's got God, right?
1: You need a little bit more than just Jesus. (laughs) Or I don't want to say it that way. No, community. Jesus is sufficient. Yeah. But community is important. Jesus yeah. himself was in community. He didn't come here and do it by himself. He had 12 homies. He had three that were especially close. Yeah. You're not allowed to do it alone. If you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. Right. Go ahead, babe.
0: No, I agree with that. And more than that, God cares that you feel related to. Yes. Yes. And you'll see that later because then what does he do? He starts out of the ground. He forms the animals and the birds of the sky. He brought it to the man to see what he would name them and said, whatever you name them, that's what they're going to be, right?
1: But for Adam, there's no suitable helper.
0: But for Adam, there is no suitable helper. Before we get to that, what does that say about God letting him name things? God gives us creative freedom. Creative freedom is holy the idea that we are supposed to follow these completely strict rules that are replicated by from person to person is a lie and not a function of the whole and healthy world that god created in the beginning he gives him freedom god could have said here are the names obey me and now name them but he says i want to see what you create yeah i want to see my very essence come to fruition in you right i create out of who i am now i need you to create out of who you are. That's for some creative out there. Um, Right? But, skips down, but for all, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now, Adam was surrounded by God, surrounded by animals, but could not, did not have anyone to relate to. Yeah. God is not trying to surround you with people or things that look like they're satisfying your loneliness, but not actually doing it. He cares that you feel related to. Right, um, so what what happens next, babe?
1: So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. and While he's sleeping, he took one of his ribs and then closed up the place with flesh.
0: What do you think that tells? What do you think that tells us about God?
1: God cares about our pain. Yeah. He put him to sleep.
0: Yeah. He didn't he have to Could have just do that. been like,
1: "Hey, homie, grit your teeth."
0: <laughs> Here's a towel. Bite <laughs> yeah, down yeah. hard.
1: Here's a piece of bark. Bite down. Uh, no good thing is, you know, worth having is, is worth having easy or whatever people say.
0: Yes, yes, yes. But God, no God, God cares. cares about our pain. God cares about our pain, that's right. Right? When the Lord made woman from the rib, he had taken out a man, brought it to the man, and he says what? This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is language of affection. Yeah. Language of unity, language of intimacy. You are like
1: me. Yeah. We are in this together. Together. Yeah. You're not gonna make me shut
0: up this podcast. You're not. You're we so are black. in this You are
1: so, so black.
0: I am. We are in this together, right? She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. You are a part of me, so much so that I will name you as I am named. That it will never be forgotten. That we are in in inextricably, inextricably. This is what happens when you try to use big words and while you're being recorded, inextricably connected, yeah. right? Um, jump down all the way to the bottom, right? Adam and his wife were both naked and felt what, babe? No shame. No shame at all, right? Complete freedom, free of guilt, shame. And what's crazy is there is no biblical conception of shame before hmm Before, Before Genesis, Genesis 3. 3. Yeah. There is literally... The concept n- does not exist. The concept of shame is just... Does not make sense. Right? So let's jump to Genesis 3 when things get a little juicy. And
1: they had no lotions. So they is naked and probably ashy. I'm just saying.
0: No, the oil Pe- of, the lawyer, oh. of the Lord flowed from the oh, head. No, from no, the man. crown of the head to the sole of the feet. I'm just feet, saying. You okay? Know,
1: if... If there's a reason to be ashamed, (laughs) they had it. But, you know, they didn't feel it. That's a whole sermon right there. I'm not going to go there, though.
0: You Go ahead, babe. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Now the serpent was more, and this is Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I, hear, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? He already knew the answer. The man said, the woman you put me here with. Come on. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Yeah. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is it you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So let's start from the beginning. Servant was crafty, pulls out all the tricks, right? Says, Oh, did God really say you must not eat the tree of the garden, right? Um, and what he does is he warps. Mm-hmm. Everything that we'll see in Genesis 2, just to give you a spoiler alert, we will see a grand reversal of that in Genesis 3, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, And
1: is this the moment of trauma then? So did God really say, is that the moment?
0: I would define, did God really say you must not eat of the tree in the garden? I would define that as trauma, okay. right? Um, it's kind of like the moment where your parent says, um, go stay at your auntie's house, I'll be back. And then someone says, they're not coming back. They left you here, right? And now you begin to retroactively look at all the ways that your parents acted Mm -hmm. before they dropped you off with this lens that they're leaving you and abandoning you forever instead of out of love, care, respect, you know, all of these things. So
1: trauma can genuinely look like the... um... It can look like doubt. It can look like doubt entering the narrative of your life.
0: Yes, yes. My
1: parents love me. Now I'm not sure if they love me.
0: Yes, yes. And that's
1: trauma. Even if you find out later that they do, the doubt is enough to change the whole story. Yep. You'll see that going forth.
0: Yep, and the doubt is enough to change the perspective of the very same objective situations words and things right so did god really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden no he did not say you must not eat of any tree he said you're free to eat of every tree yep right so it's it's communicating the same thing Mm -hmm. but it's the perspective change right and she says no we can eat of the true but he said you must not eat of the true in the middle of the garden blah 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 Right.
1: Side note: uh, Many people think that they started out in the middle of the garden because that's just the Western way of thinking. Yeah. Everyone starts in the middle. Uh, that's actually not um, historically. If you look at like the the Midrash and the Jewish text or whatever, they didn't start next to the to the bad tree. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, why would God put this tree they can't eat from right in front of him? You don't do that to your kids. He didn't do that. Yeah. Um, just just so you know, we can get into that later if you you want to be all Bible scholarly about it. But just you know, just as part of the narrative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, babe. Right. So verse four, you will not certainly die. <laughs> Literally the very exact opposite words that God says to them. Yeah. Right. And that speaks to the reality um that, you know, when my clients are, are like, okay, well, we've now we've exposed all this really painful, raw stuff. Now what? Well, now we look at what we entertain the possibility we suspend reality and entertain the idea that the exact opposite of what you experience is actually true Mm. the exact opposite of your negative core belief which is called a positive core belief or an adaptive belief we suspend reality just for a second just for a moment and ask ourselves what if this was true right Mm -hmm. Um, And we get to see that in scripture. Right. The enemy does not create anything. He can only warp things that have been created by God. Um, And he said for God knows that when you eat it, you will it will open your eyes um, and you will be like God knowing good from evil. So he takes truth. And communicates a lie. He uses truth to communicate a lie. Right. That's what often happens in trauma. Yes, your parents did drop you off, but the lie is that they're not coming back. Yeah. But because there is a sliver of truth in that, that they did drop you off, now you're entertaining that all of it is truth. Yep. Right? Yep. And that's what happens when people experience trauma. Yes, you were unsafe and you were abused and you were not taken care of. Now the enemy's trying to convince you that you'll never be safe and you'll never be taken care of. Yeah. And though there's a sliver of truth in that that, that was true, mm-hmm. The entirety of what the enemy's trying to tell you is a lie. Yeah,
1: the truth becomes the framework for the lie. Yep. The bedrock that the lie stands on.
0: Yeah. yeah the, I could not think of a better way to say that. Yes. Yes. Um, so when the woman sees that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Right. So God says it will give you it will give you death. Mm hmm. Um, enemy says it will give you wisdom so now she's looking at it already through a different perspective she's not looking at it through a lens that this could take my life she's now looking at it through a lens of this could give me something i'm longing for Mm -hmm. beyond that god now his perspective His his perspective to them to the woman i think this is when it's changed when she begins to look through the negative core belief i think that the negative core believes that Adam and Eve develop um, is I am the ultimate authority, right? Before this, God is their authority. Then after the enemy. Yeah. So these lies and she's now, you know, she looks at it and she says, Oh, this is desirable for gaining wisdom. Well, who, who convinced you that you were the authority? Yeah. The enemy did. Yeah. Right. That's how the enemy works. He's not going to tell you the exact lie to believe, but he will sow one lie that will produce a tree Mm. that bears fruit of many lies that we will accept the moment that we accept that one lie.
1: Yeah. And that doubt of did God really say turns into the the explanation, the definition of what this fruit does is now seen through her own lens through a different with, with doubt. Mm -hmm. With doubt about what God said God said it was this And now doubt is introduced Now she sees the same thing Through a lens of doubt About what God said
0: Yep Yep And Yep 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 Right Both of their eyes were opened um, Realized they were naked Right God was right it kills a part they of them. They found out they were ashy. <laughs> found out they were ashy. There's no cocoa butter. Or they're only stuck with the cocoa butter from Walmart that's really water. Oh, man.
1: It's basically water. It makes yeah. you drier than you were before. It
0: literally sucks the moisture out of your body. Yep, I that's what get they get that.
1: stuck it's, with. It's two dollars Don't believe
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I know. When you're in college, you would be looking at it like, oh, it's so big and it's so cheap. And then you get it and you're like, worst decision ever. Um, right? So they sew these together to cover themselves and then they hear the Lord and what happens? They have a new reflex and I use reflex on purpose.
1: Yeah.
0: Their neg, their trauma has now allowed them to accept a negative core belief that is now created a neurological pathway that has created a new reflex to the presence of God. Yeah. They have never hidden before God before. Never. Right. But this trauma and that chain reaction creates something where it's reflex for them to cover, reflex for them to hide from God. Right. And he's like, where are you? Why are you hiding? Like, this is not a thing. Right. And they're like, well, we heard you in the garden. I was afraid, never been afraid of God before this because I was naked, never knew nakedness, never knew shame. That's how the last chapter ended. So I hid. Right. And he says, who told you you were naked? Right. And that's. That is um, the role of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes the role of therapists is who told you you were bad? Yeah. Who told you that you would never be loved? Who
1: told you you were toxic? Who, who told you? Yeah. You were, you were evil.
0: Who fooled you? Yeah. <laughs> who tricked, yeah. who bewitched you? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and oftentimes we miss it, right? We we miss it because Adam is it. <laughs> the woman you put here with me, wait a minute, was she not bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh a second ago? She sure was. She sure she had your back. Was, right? This grand reversal. Um, and then she gave the fruit to me. God said, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. That's what trauma does. Trauma deceives us. And then we eat up the lies. We allow them to be sown into our hearts. They bear trees that have littler and littler lies. You
1: better use littler. It's a I'm word with you. now. Come on. I'm
0: hype and it's a word.
1: If they knew what you meant, it's a word.
0: Exactly. It it, it bears these trees. These, These fruits in, you know, our heart of like Mm -hmm. these little lies that we continue to consume for sustenance. Right. And the reality is there is this grand reversal for for Adam and Eve before this trauma of the enemy coming in and being like, hey, did God really say that? Yep. Their relationship with God was a completely different was completely inverse to Genesis three. Their relationship with themselves, the shame they feel before Mm -hmm. themselves and their own bodies. Completely reversed. The relationship they have with the world that God has put them in, right? Yep. Never before this have they broken off a leaf to use to cover themselves. Yeah. Right? Their their interactions with the world around them is completely inverse. Yeah. Their interactions with each other. And once become bone
1: destructive.
0: In, yes. And now become destructive. Yes. And, um, you know, their interactions with each other. Once bone in my bone, flesh in my flesh is now the woman you put Here with me has his, he's essentially saying she coerced me into sin, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what happens with trauma. Yep. This one moment happens in a grand reversal of the goodness of God happens. Yeah. Not rather, the grand reversal of our perception of the goodness of God yep. happens. God does not show up to protect us now. He shows up to punish us. Yeah. He does not show up to hear us cry because he values our emotion. He shows up for ammo so that he can, you know, hold something against us. Yeah. Um, and
1: the God in Genesis 2 that wanted your freedom and wanted your creative input now yeah you feel that he wants you to be a slave and wants you to only follow orders, right? Like the same God who um, said it wasn't good for you to be alone, um, even though he was there, now you are made to feel like, oh, I can't be in his presence because it's not enough for him. Yeah. Even though before he brought someone in because Mm. it wasn't enough for you, right? Like there's a whole perspective shift. And even, uh, we won't get into this, but the way that Adam relates to Eve, um, you'll notice like, Um, in, in the Hebrew, at least the names used for Eve are two different names. The first time he names her, um, he talks about woman. Yeah. about who she is. Yeah. And the second time, after all this is done and uh, they have their first child, he names her something else which, uh, because out of you has come, like, my progeny, essentially saying, oh, you've created a child. Mm-hmm. And so what's really interesting is that in the beginning, his identity of who Eve is, the way he perceives her, is about who she is. Mm-hmm. And at the end of all this, after the trauma, after mm-hmm. the doubt is introduced, his perspective of who she is is based on what she does.
0: Mm-hmm. Right,
1: it's it's, oh, I call you this because you made life, like because yeah. you, you created this sun. It's but before something, it didn't matter what you could do. Yeah, I it loved was about who you are, who you were, right? Yeah. And that, and that is a microcosm of the way that we begin to change the perception of how we view ourselves via trauma. Yeah. in the beginning, we are sufficient based on whoever we are. Yeah. We believe that at Our some very point.
0: existence is valid.
1: And trauma comes in to shift the narrative away from who we are to what we do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that something in this narrative that I see often show up when it comes to, um, especially young adults, when I'm kind of the person who's like, who bewitched you? Who, mm-hmm. who brought this up? Who, who made you think that? Oftentimes the answer is, I don't know. Notice... After the enemy says, you will surely not die, he disappears from the narrative. Mm-hmm. He, that, listen, the enemy is not, he, he. his goal, if there's anything I've learned, his goal is to make us convinced that we are the enemy. Yeah. At the core of almost everything I do with my clients is self-loathing.
1: Mm.
0: At the core of almost all of it. I am not good enough. I do not deserve to be here. I am toxic, right? I am evil, right? It's this idea that, like, who I am organically is insufficient, and Mm. so I must do all these things to become sufficient, right? So to Adam and Eve, to them, you know, breaking off these fig leaves, covering themselves, hiding, was them trying to become sufficient, was trying to meet this new equilibrium that was developed after trauma happens to them, but... Like what you said before, what they did to try and meet that equilibrium was destructive. Yeah. But they would have never seen that. Many of us, the way that we try to find like that inner peace, yeah. finger quotation... <laughs> First of all, that equilibrium is not is not the actual one that God has set up for you. It is one out of response for trauma, and yeah. many of us are destroying our relationships, destroying um the environments God's put us in, destroying our interactions with others, destroying you know the purpose God has set before us to feel comfortable and to yeah. feel good. And trauma has convinced us that it is okay.
1: Yeah, and, and the world hasn't changed. Nope. Right the the world is same but we trauma comes to shift our energy away from being to doing and then we become the engine we become the power source for our own slavery mm. we are the one yep. pushing the lie and the narrative forward the devil leaves yeah. and they're the ones working on on fig trees they're the ones hiding from god they're the ones putting energy into maintaining the lie yeah and it it's just remarkable. Yeah. This this narrative, um, this six thousand, five thousand, four thousand year old, just depending upon who you think and when it where it came from, at least Moses probably gave it during the time of Exodus. This story, two thousand, three thousand years old, still speaks to the reality of people here in twenty twenty. Yep. The first trauma is the same trauma. <laughs>
0: That we've been feeling most of us experiencing are, are still perpetually. That. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you think about how the enemy works, it's, it's the it's the most efficient pyramid scheme ever. Yeah. You know, he's the person who comes in and says, like, just buy this one product. He don't even and, put
1: no hours in. Look. He just come in, he say li- something. I'm peace telling out. you, yeah.
0: he's lazy. He is lazy, but he is wise, and that is why he's effective. Yeah. Right? Like the enemy comes in, sows a seed and dips. And he sows a seed so so it's so insidious and so sly that he will make you think it was your idea. Yeah. And because you now are looking back and thinking it's your idea, like when Adam could assign blame, he did not assign blame to the enemy; he assigned it to Eve. Yeah. And that was exactly what the enemy wanted. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, I was I was kind of I was thinking about it's okay, we you talked you're about, about to talk, this, but I didn't want to. We talked about that. You were just talking about like. Um, we assign blame to ourselves. Yeah. If you've listened to the podcast at all, at some point, I've mentioned that I I I try not to to hide it. I I was a victim of molestation when I was younger. I did not ever say those words or even think of it that way until, gosh, maybe eighteen months ago. Yeah.
0: And I For remember me, that conversation. it was always
1: I let something happen, happen to, to me. me. Yeah. I couldn't even talk about it as if it was molestation. It's just like, no, that that was a me thing. Yeah. Now I was six or seven years old. Yeah. But to me, I was the most mature six (laughs) or seven Seven year old. old There was in
0: the world. And,
1: you know, I should have known better or not, Mm. you know, and and it's just a me thing. Yeah. And um, the lies sown 21 years ago, I have been putting energy into maintaining, pushing the narrative forward. Yeah. and this narrative, like, that we're, you know, that we read, this this thing is, is still alive and well. And uh, now I'm having to rework some of these destructive tendencies towards the world around me, because the world hasn't really changed. Yeah. I, my perception of the world has changed. I'm not saying that, like, some, some people are really in a situation yeah. where they are in danger, right? Yeah, so I'm yeah. not saying, oh, you just think you're in danger. Yeah. But for many of us, the danger stopped 20 years ago. Like, yeah. for me, the danger stopped 20 years ago. Yeah. I've been fighting to make myself safe yeah. ever since then. Mm-hmm. And fighting against a ghost.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, t- you know, tearing up all my relationships in the process.
0: And there's no winning, you know, yeah. because it's, it's, inadequate. you can't, You can't win, right? So um, the last portion of, like, trauma, so what we try to kind of go through is trauma, what it creates is negative core beliefs, and then these negative core beliefs create, based on the definition, these disruptive and dysfunctional patterns. Um, And that's what we're going to jump into in our next episode. We're going to talk about some of the dysfunctional patterns that are born out of trauma and how oftentimes we have to work backwards from the dysfunctional patterns to even realize that we have trauma. So we're yeah. excited to have that conversation with you guys next week. Um, if you guys want to have more in-depth conversations with us, um, go through you know spiritual disciplines that you know pertain to um, some of the content that we share with you guys here. Join our Patreon. I'm telling you, yeah. it is amazing and it's a place for you to grow um it's not therapy but it's a great place to get therapeutic resources if you can't afford therapy but want to you know walk on this mental health journey of faith so we would yeah. love 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 for you guys to join us yeah yeah all right you guys we will talk to you soon you guys have a good one. Oh wait i want to do it okay go ahead yeah
1: until the circle comes back around
0: all right bye guys
1: bye Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps people figure out who we are and what we're doing and gets the podcast out to a wider audience. Also, we have just launched a Patreon. In that, you'll have access to guided meditations, spiritual discipline sessions, even some live Q&As about mental health. And most importantly, you'll actually get first dibs to merch. Um, if you've ever looked at our website, uh, you'll see a Protect Your Peace hoodie. That'll be dropping soon. So visit the show notes and join the family.